Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back into the Lions 24 7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz recording on a Thursday afternoon here in Happy Valley. And it is the pregame edition of our Michigan Week coverage here on the podcast. Matchup starts at noon on Saturday. So we're under 48 hours away from Penn State's first game back at Beaver Stadium since that horror show against Illinois. Uh, I know the players <laughs> sound excited to get another chance, maybe to to uh, showcase what they can do in front of an Italy Lions crowd that last time they saw these guys in person, they left the stadium scratching their head. And this is a game that I think we're going to figure out a lot coming out of the Maryland matchup. It was a tie game in the fourth quarter, Sean. Where is Penn State and what are they prepared to do with two top 10 opponents in the final three weeks of the regular season? Well, they weren't the only ones scratching their head. It was the players, everybody that watched that. You and I were just like beside ourselves because we had not seen anything like it. Um, And and it's interesting this week because Michigan comes to town. And I believe you had John Scott this morning, uh, defensive line coach for Penn State. And you guys asked him, hey, flat out, what if Michigan comes out and does what Michigan does sometimes? And they go jumbo. They try to run the ball right down their throats. Uh, Scott said, you know, they, they hope they're not caught off guard like they, I guess, were against Illinois. I wasn't on the call, so I don't know the exact things. But yeah. it's going to be interesting because Michigan's going to try to run the football. Penn State uh, has obviously been banged up since the, the Mustafer injury up front. And um, it's going to be a, a matchup where Penn State matches up really well in spots and possibly not so well in others. Yeah, we'll talk about all of those things, a little bit about that defensive line matchup, which is it's a doozy. It's it's a huge test for this Nittany Lions team based on the way Michigan has been able to run the ball and protect its quarterback for the first nine games of the season. Um, but, Sean, going back to the, the genesis of this matchup, which is Michigan-Penn State feels like it has so much history, and then you realize, well, the first game was 1993. And I know James Franklin referenced that. Uh, you know, this this week that it feels like there's more than 24 games between these two squads, 14 to 10 all time for Michigan. A couple wins for Penn State back to back years went on the road last year when both teams were very much down. Penn State picked up a win there. Um, so they come. They, they've got the two game advantage or two, two two game win streak in this series. Three out of four since James Franklin started 0 and three against Michigan. And of course, People are going to always debate who is the next team up in the Big Ten uh, behind Ohio State. And it feels like for the last five years or so, since Harbaugh and Franklin have shared this division, that conversation has really centered on those two teams. Yeah, it's, it's been a pretty even split and basically go with the home team every year. And then last year, Penn State obviously went out there and 2020 being what it was. I mean, you know, no real home field advantage for anybody, but they were able to run it, run it at them. And, and Penn State's gotten it done in different ways during this series. You think back two years ago, um, this game, Penn State kind of came out just out of the gates like crazy. Yeah. 21 nothing, I think it was 
throwing the ball around, doing some good things through the air. Um, we remember a couple of years ago when Saquon Barkley started the game by taking a direct snap and taking it to the house. So big plays, a staple of Penn State's success throughout this series, especially at home. So you got to wonder, you know, what what they've got dialed up for for Saturday because that's that's going to be huge. I mean, you look at what Michigan has been able to do. Their defense has, th- I think, been better than expected. Their offense has been able to score points at times. It's not been an offensive juggernaut, but, you know, if you're putting up 27 points, uh, 20, 27 to 30 points, you're probably doing okay, um, and they are. You looked at that uh, Michigan State game where Michigan State ran all over them, um, but they still put up 33 points. So that's what it comes down to to me is – Michigan can score points. Can Penn State keep up? Because they have not been a team that can consistently put up points. You know, you got the pick six last week to run it to 31 against Maryland, but really just kind of not the not the explosive point scoring offense. They've put up yards um, in, in different facets of the game, but not really the point scoring offense that you would hope to see if you're Penn State coming into 2021. And Michigan can control possession, and Penn State has really struggled at times uh, to sustain uh, momentum on offense, certainly to sustain drives. There's been a lot of those explosive plays, um, but in terms of those those drives that give your defense a break, they've been few and far between for Penn State for the last month or so. Even when this team was rolling, um, it, it wasn't always about long drives. For Michigan, that's what it is about it. 26 rushing touchdowns at this point in the season. That's a big number right now uh, for them. And they're averaging over 230 rushing yards per game. That leads the Big Ten. Before we get too far down the road, we have some offensive defensive focus coming up. But normally, Sean, November, and, and you've got back-to-back noon kickoffs here in Beaver Stadium. This is the time where you bid for bid farewell to the senior classes. Last year was very strange because we didn't know who was staying and going. And this year is very strange. So get used to it because – there are a number of players, and we've discussed them most recently, last episode with Jair Brown. We've talked about it with P.J. Mustafer, but the name of a guy who's been on campus long enough to be a senior, but because of the NCAA eligibility pause, is technically a junior on the field, Sean Clifford. And that conversation came up again during a call with him on, on Wednesday. He remains committed to reaching the end of this season before focusing on you know, making that decision and, and surveying the options and talking with his coaches and fellow players and his family. Um, so he was not ready to say these will be his final games in Beaver Stadium. And it's just it's so different than, than you know a lot of what we've encountered, because usually it's a guy's really good and he's trying to make that decision. If he's going to bolt to the NFL, sometimes it's super obvious with someone like Saquon Barkley. Other times you have to wonder, uh, it, like in, in the instance a few years ago with Mike Asiki or Jahan Dotson, will he or won't he? This is a situation where it's much different. It's and it matters so much to the complexion of what Penn State will do for the next 14 months. And the line is so, I guess, thin. You could see yourself on both sides. But, you know, I I remember back last summer we were talking about Sean Clifford and thinking whether he'd be around for this year. Um, but now it's it's kind of funny because you, you think of what he has to gain um, by coming back another year that experience he started 30 some games for Penn State so he's got the the two young guys coming in and it's funny because it's like do you expect him to be one of those NFL Josh McCown types that's going to hang on and maybe start some games but also mentor those young guys can he can he take on that role because that's that's a big thing to ask the guy that started a lot of games basically come in here and be a mentor for for these young kids not necessarily that they're going to take your job but still that's that's a lot to ask for for what would be a six-year player and then on the other end you just wonder what his future is in football he's 20 what 24 years old or will be 24 years old 24 next july next july 24 24 for next year that's that's a long time to be in college a long time to play college football but at the same time 
if he goes to a camp and doesn't win a spot or win a, a practice squad spot or something like that, his football career could be just over like that. So I can see both sides of it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure uh, if the allure of playing with his brother is still there. I'm not sure the allure of, of you know, furthering his legacy, probably if he stuck around the winningest quarterback in Penn State history uh, by the numbers. So it's uh, there's a lot going both ways for this one. I I, I respect his his approach to it saying he's not really worried about it until the end of the season. Um, but that's, that's gotta be something in the back of his mind just constantly. There's a few things here because you think about the gains he's made with Mike Yersich in, in year one and assuming things stay in place and stabilize here for, for Penn state's leadership. There's that speculation that continues to go, but if it's the Franklin and Yersich show going into 2022, you know, Mike Clifford want to see what year two with that bond could do and working with Yersich. same time, you've talked about this since the, the conversation surfaced back in September NIL changes everything about this conversation. What can Sean Clifford here and, you know, uh, with a huge rabid fan base with blue blood program like Penn state and potentially as a fourth year starter and the first four time team captain in program history, what does his marketability look like? What are people willing to do in terms of opening up their checkbooks and, and kind of, you know, doing, doing something that never existed where you could stay on campus and get paid, uh, at least get paid on the record and, and on the books. So I, I think with Sean Clifford, you also have to add in Liam Clifford. Where is Liam next year in year two of his development? Is he an emerging wide receiver? Is he competing for a starting job? Um, how important is it for Sean to have an opportunity to, to play in games with his brother at this level of football? Remember, they have never played together in game action, and, and that holds up here nine games into the season. And I think one more thing here is they're playing two of what are perceived to be the best programs in college football right now in the next 17, 16 days. If Sean Clifford goes out there and has excellent showings against Michigan and Michigan State, what does that mean for his NFL draft conversation? And if he goes out there and plays poorly and a lot of the, maybe those old warts surface or he just doesn't look like he's going to be able to carry Penn State past those programs, how does that on the back end adversely impact his professional aspirations? So it's not a done deal. This is still open-ended. But one way or another, December 15th is coming. You want to get Drew Aller's signature. You want to get Bo Perbula's signature. And at that point, you're probably within 10, 15 days of playing a bowl game. And we're going to be talking about this a ton. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I could see um, why the Penn State staff, you know, the Penn State staff doesn't want to have six-year players back. And that's just, a you know, kind of something they want to go across, you know, just have it, have it there as a precedent for everybody else that comes through. Because six-year players – most likely are not going to be big contributors if or you know if you if they're making that decision. But for a guy that started that many games, for a guy that's that familiar with um the system, a guy that's that familiar with James Frank Franklin's coaching and and his style and everything like that, just having the allure of of having a quarterback back that, that has played that much football versus having to basically almost start either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, probably a quarterback, you think, okay, maybe, maybe they go the other way on this decision and and say that this is a special circumstance. Yeah, and something we'll cover next week because it is senior day against Rutgers uh, in that final game in Beaver Stadium this year. Here are the other guys who are in year five on campus and do have an extra year of eligibility that no one expected until last year when COVID rolled around. It's not just Sean Clifford. Also on that list, Fred Hansard, Ellis Brooks, Jonathan Sutherland, going down here, Mike Miranda, uh, and we got Cam Sullivan Brown. Um, so, and Des Holmes. So, there's quite a few guys. Uh, obviously, varying degrees of where they are in their career and difficult conversations to be had. But these are conversations that coaches across the country need to deal with right now. And 
um, and, and throwing the guys who were in their fourth year on campus, the Jair Brown, their fourth year in college, Jair Brown, Loketa, Mustafer, a lot going on right now, Sean. And, and he's still trying to get to the finish line with a massive recruiting class. Well, these guys are football players and they know that quarterbacks have been treated differently their entire football lives. So why would it be any different uh, for this decision? Well said. Hey, let's jump into it a little bit with this matchup. Uh, Michigan coming to town and on offense for Penn State. James Franklin was asked about it a lot and he's been asked about it pretty frequently about balance. He says he's throwing that out the window. People have different definitions of balance on offense. Some view it as 50-50. He's looking to get a win. We've seen this team throw it 99 times the last two weeks. Sean Clifford has uh, has looked in John Dotson's direction a bunch, 22 catches in those two-week span. I don't know if you can live or die that way, though. You can certainly die that way. I don't know if you can live that way against Michigan. They're giving up 173 passing yards per game. That's number eight nationally. Uh, we heard from Zach Shaw, who covers the Wolverines for 24-7 sports, that they may be without one of their veteran cornerbacks, uh, Jamon Green, uh, in this matchup. So waiting to see on, on his injury status. But this is not the team that, based on a nine-game sample size, you can light it up through the air. And they will rush you off the edge. David Ojabo, Aiden Hutchinson, a tandem that is they could be the first team big 10 defensive ends from the same team yeah their their um past defense is not necessarily in the back end their past defense is the pass rush that they're able to yep. generate they do a tremendous job with that so those tackles especially Caden wallace has been shaky the last few weeks or the last month or so um handling speed off the edge it's gonna be really tough so that's gonna trickle down do you keep a tight end and do you you know do you see your running backs take a step forward in pass protection but that's got to be that's got to be a big thing for penn state is, is keeping sean clifford clean um if you can do that maybe work your quick passing game. I mean, we talked about this last year with uh, with Shaka and Jason away is to get that ball out as quick as possible and, and get it near the line of scrimmage and see if those guys can can make something happen. I think that's what Penn State's going to have to do. I think Parker Washington, once again, is a guy that can really help them in the screen game. They've even gone to Keandre Lambert-Smith a couple of times in the last couple of weeks uh, in that screen game. So I think it's, it's going to be a vital part. And then that can open some things up. We've seen Jahan Dotson run the double move off the screen and, and get deep. And I think we saw that against maybe saw that against Michigan last year. I, I shouldn't have started that sentence without knowing it for sure. Um, but it's, it's certainly possible um, to, to make that work. So, but yeah, that that's going to be the, the key thing in the past game. It's not so much Jahan Dotson one-on-one down the field. It's how much time can Sean Clifford get and can he get rid of the ball? Can he make that happen? Cause that pass rush is going to come hot and heavy for him. Last week we saw eight, receptions for the running back group three different guys um noah kane had 28 yards through the air he had a 16 yard gain which is a long one for kane this year Kevon lee had a 13 yard gain um, on the same position where he also had a 15 yard run so can you continue to work those guys involved i mean if you can get something out of this running back room because it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be on the ground to too much extent if you can utilize these guys in the past game we had john lovett after practice yesterday discussing the importance of, of being there for sean clifford in the past game and He's going to take heat, and he's talked this week about being smart, trying to hold on to that ball for an extra half second or the extra second, so that way you go through the progressions. All of a sudden, someone's open. He's he's taught he's you know he's seeing the game differently, certainly under Mike Yurcich. But I don't know if the time's going to be here for for him in this matchup, and unless he is ready to be a runner in a way that we haven't seen since he suffered that injury against Iowa, he's not going to be able to sit there in the pocket the way he has the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's got to be able to run. I mean, there he seems to be getting healthier and healthier, and that doesn't mean he's he's got to run and take shots, but he's got to be able to to pick up a couple of yards here and there, or not even pick up a couple of yards here and there, but 
but bail from that pocket. He, he held it a couple of times last week when you think that Sean Clifford that you've known for the last couple of years would have, would have brought it down. And it's funny because we've, we've talked about him getting happy feet before and bringing it down too soon. You probably mm-hmm. would have liked to seen that a little bit more against Maryland. So nothing he can do is right. That's basically the, the crux of this <laughs> conversation. Um, but no, he's, I, he, he's been in this atmosphere before. As I said, big plays going to be paramount just in terms of chunking it up and, and, and trying to figure out how they can get those points because, you know, sustaining drives hasn't been it for Penn state. They've, they've done a, a nice couple of drives over the last couple of weeks, but at the same time, this Michigan defense is different. It's going to come after them and they get a sack on first down. They knock them off schedule and things like that. How do you respond to that? And can you complete that second and 14 pass or that second and 17 pass to set you up and get you back on schedule? Those, those are going to be the key plays. It's not, it's not so much the uh, 80 yard scoring plays. It's, it's getting yourself in position to, to hit those big plays. This will be start number 30 for Sean Clifford in his Penn State career to this point, 4-0 against Michigan and Michigan State. Um, and against Michigan a couple of years ago, you talked about Penn State building that early lead, finding K.J. Hamler in stride for a big touchdown. I think Clifford had three first-half touchdowns in that game. Uh, and then, of course, Shea Patterson was, was the quarterback in control for the second half as Michigan rallied. Um, but, man, I, I think about that big K.J. Hamler catch in that matchup. You mentioned the Saquon Barkley direct snap on play number one in 2017. Is this Jahan Dotson's stage for that signature moment? You referenced it earlier. What's he missing at this point? Unfortunately, he's not going to get a chance to go play in a Big Ten title game. He's not going to get a chance to go play in a playoff matchup. But this is about as high profile of a showdown. And, of course, in a couple of weeks in East Lansing, he'll have a lot of eyes on him here. He's not going to win the Heisman Trophy, but – in terms of being that legend and Nittany Lions uh, lore, this is a great opportunity, and I wouldn't doubt him given what he has done of, of late. Yeah, I mean, it's not smart to bet against Jahan Dotson. I no. mean, obviously, um, legends in this program are not made against Maryland and Indiana. They're, they're made against Michigan and Ohio State, basically. That's the way it's gone for the last uh, almost 30 years now. Um, so that's that's got to be where he's at. I mean, it's, it's a big play game, and, and Jahan Dotson has played well against good teams before. Um, uh, I think we talked about this on our last episode or first. I, I, we've done a bunch of episodes this week. Mm-hmm. They're all running together for me. So hopefully you guys are listening. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's got it's got to be a showcase game for him and uh you know hopefully they can get that those supplemental completions to washington to theo johnson keandre lambert smith maybe work the running backs in as well get get brenton strange back involved um i think it's going to take everybody this week to be honest with you and uh it's it's for for a team you mentioned balance right off the jump here for a team that really doesn't have a yard balance um got to come through the air i mean we've pretty much abandoned that uh that whole philosophy that penn state is going to be able to run the ball it's, it's funny because you you and i came on beforehand you're like maybe this is the week and we're like no and you can't you can't say that that's not going to be the case but but you feel if penn state's going to to beat michigan they're going to have a little bit of success on the ground it's just you can't count on it right now i said illinois was the week so i'm out on, on saying it's the week <laughs> for the run game anymore man um that wasn't the I, week I, for anything let's <laughs> let's be honest here Another name I do want to bring up because Jahan Dawson, right now, obviously, we're talking about where, where does he land in the first round? How much money can he make for himself? It's an exciting conversation. Rashid Walker was the guy, I think, when you talked offensively, he was maybe the player that was on the top of those preseason rankings for, for Penn State as a draft prospect. This is a moment for him one way or the other. There's going to be a lot of scouts reviewing this matchup. Penn State needs a big performance from him to, to give Clifford time. I think this is a, this is a game where Rashid Walker is in the fire, and I'm really curious to see how he fares at this phase of his career. 
Yeah, both of those tackles. I mean, Walker's got the the NFL on line one, just trying to to figure out what he is because you thought he would take that step, but on this offensive line, you haven't seen anybody really really take that step. So I'm very curious to see where that comes through and and can he play that big time game, you know, against Hutchinson, against uh, Ojabo if he's on that side. Um, it's it's going to be tough because that's the that's the toughest draw in the Big Ten this year. I mean, they've obviously already gone against Ohio State, but it's it's really tough for those guys because uh, Ojabo is, I think, better than either of us expected. We thought he was a really good looking prospect, but maybe not as refined as as many. Um, but he's come on the uh, on the scene. I believe he lead, leads the uh, Big Ten in, in sacks. So uh, Rasheed Walker, I, I, I look at Caden Wallace even more because Caden Wallace has really struggled at times with that speed rush on the outside. Um, and he hasn't gotten much help um, from the backs or leaving a tight end in or anything like that. If he is out there on an island this week, it it could be bad. That's where my thought is. I think I think Caden Wallace certainly. We know that more development's needed. I, I'm curious to see is an interior role still the the solution for him and the solution for the Nittany Lions long term on the offensive front. But for me, Rasheed Walker been a lot of conversation since arriving as a top 100 prospect. A lot of good stuff coming this offseason. If he is truly a strength of your football team, and I'm not saying he's not, but in a matchup like this, you need to at least force some stalemates off the edge when, when it is a, a, a top talent versus a top talent. And right now it looks like David Ojabo, Aiden Hutchinson are going to be very high on NFL draft boards next year. If Rasheed Walker wants to put himself in a spot where, where he's having uh, you know, a, a rise for himself, it would be great to point to this tape. Uh, but I, I think we've got a lot to learn about Mr. Walker in this matchup. Yeah. And can you catch those guys upfield? Can you catch these guys in a draw game or something like that where Ojabo is trying to take, you know, a, a, high, a wide line around Caden Wallace? And can you run up inside them and and make some things happen there? I mean, this defense is is solid. Um, the mm -hmm. numbers, pro the numbers probably aren't as good as I would have expected. I think you, you read some of those off earlier um, aside from the sack numbers. Um, but you, you think of that Michigan State game and and Walker was just able to just run. <laughs> he torpedoed their season stats. He torpedoed yeah, that. <laughs> that doesn't help. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's like Penn State's run defense this year. It's uh, a lot of that comes from the Illinois game, and that's not uh, that's not ideal for anybody. Um, but uh, it, it's one of those things where you you can see cracks, you can see seams, and and you got to try to exploit them and make them wider than they actually are. Again. No faith in the run game right now because why? Why would we have faith in the run yeah. game? But you know, maybe Kevon Lee gets going, and I don't think he's going to go for what one twenty or whatever he went against Michigan last year. But maybe they make incremental strides. James Franklin said last night after practice that the run game did have a little bit more success in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if that's opponent. I don't know what that is. If it's advanced physicality as they um, were, were harping on for a week and a half, but seemed to open it up a little bit more, but obviously it's not where it needs to be. Yeah. He's, and he says he feels they're close, but it's hard to hear, you know, you're close when it's, you know, when Thanksgiving's right around the corner in your football season, that's the difficult thing for fans to digest right now. And certainly for us to discuss and hey, Kevon Lee was the catalyst last year, along with, with a clean game from Sean Clifford there in Ann Arbor. Um, Kevon Lee, maybe this buzz, like we said, with the mailbag question, a little bit of buzz here might be manufactured some cherry picking of stats and, and then looking around that room and looking around the stats, uh, what, what, what is it? What has he really done you, to separate you, himself? You want to see one of them be good. <laughs> like you want to see one of them right. be great. And, and just, it's, it just hasn't happened. And that's unfortunate for all those guys. Um, just watching Lee last year against Michigan, it's, it's such a different 
setup. I mean, just everything is different. And, you know, there's room to run against Michigan, then he's finishing runs like crazy. Um, you know, I don't know if it's the fumbling thing early in the season that's that has him, you know, looking a little bit different, but I would like to see him separate himself. And and Franklin was very short on that. I mean, he, he was mm-hmm. asked point blank, you know, has anybody separated themselves or how do you how do you go about? And he's just like, hey, he was asked about Kevon Lee specifically. Yeah, when one of yeah. them does it, they'll go with it. And he, they don't think yeah. that anyone's done that yet. And I've, I said this last episode, Kevon Lee has maxed out in a single game this year with 11 touches. And for a guy that we keep hearing needs to needs to learn how to play running back, needs to learn how to trust himself as the play is going, needs to learn how to, how to get that feel for the game. When you're not getting more than six, seven, eight touches on, on a game-by-game basis, I'm curious how – you know, the staff wants him to find that direction. I think it's difficult when you're getting in on the second series of the first quarter and then you're getting in on the uh, second series of the second quarter and then you're not playing again until the, the third quarter. It, I don't know. That, that's that's a difficult remedy. And right now that's where they're going with the rotation. And I think there's a lot of conversations to have on the run game. We've had most of them. Let's talk about this Penn State defense and the tasks that they face against Michigan. Certainly going to be tracking the status of Jesse Lucetta through Pre-game warm-ups into kickoff. John Sutherland, too, but Luketa is the big one. He has been uh, you know, far ahead of what we thought he might be at defensive end. Uh, third on the team right now in tackles for loss. Hasn't been able to finish in the pocket much. Only half a sack to this point in the season, but very valuable. Logging a bunch of snaps and essentially splitting that second starting role uh, with Nick Tarburton opposite of Arnold Devicete. We did see Jesse Luketa in uniform, along with Jonathan Sutherland, uh, seemed to be a participant in everything that we saw yesterday. But as James Franklin said, practice work doesn't always equate uh, to game day work. And it may be a pregame decision uh, leading into it. We'll keep an eye on Sutherland, who's been a second team safety, and he's a team captain on special teams. But the Luketa status really feels like it could swing things in this matchup because of what this Penn State team faces up front. That's the one, man. It's it's having Jesse Lucetta come off the edge. No disrespect to Nick Tarburton. He, he just gives you a little bit more going after the quarterback. And, and Tarburton, I think, played pretty well last week in his absence, um, drew that big holding penalty there at the end. And that's sometimes that's what you got to do as a pass rusher. Um, but I, I just think that that Lucetta gives you something, um, you know, just kind of flow into the ball like a linebacker, but also go, going after it like an edge player. Um, it's It's been great to watch him this year. And you're right. We're going to be watching him closely in warmups to see if they can get him because if they get him back, it's it's certainly a boost. Uh, just judging by what we saw at practice last night, you would think Sutherland's probably still going to be in that same role that he has had before, kind of um, settling back, maybe special teams or something like that. He was going through drills, but you look at the, uh, the first and second team safeties, you had Brisker and Brown, which obviously everybody expects. And then you had Ellis and freshman Jalen Reed, whom James Franklin said earlier this week, they're just going to burn his red shirt, which because, yeah. because he's been um, such a, a key player for them in that fourth safety spot. So I, I think that that's the one that we're all looking for. Number 40, it's, it's going to be big. Um, Zariah Fisher got in there. Smith Vilbert got in there. You asked about Zariah Fisher this week and, you know, the more reps he get, I think gets, I think the better that he will become, but, I don't think anybody's mixing up Jesse Lucetta and, and Zariah Fisher in terms of production um, at that third defensive end spot. There are a few ideal learn on the job moments in college football. This is like the this is like the worst case scenario against this Michigan team right now to to have to force feed forty reps or something to Zariah Fisher at this point in his progression. And you know John Scott certainly does feel like they they've got something here with Zariah Fisher. There's a lot of excitement about his explosiveness off the edge. We've seen it in practice a bit working off the edge against Penn State's tackles. And and I think with Fisher, um, the future looks bright, but. 
for this Saturday, it is a big difference. Like you said, if Luketa and Tarburton are your second and third defensive ends versus if if you've got to rely on Zariah Fisher as your third guy and then Smith Villabert as your fourth guy. And we already know they're late on defensive tackles. So uh, there's a lot to work through here. And, and I think the defensive line in general, we've seen the strides from Koziah Izzard. You could hear a lot of excitement in Coach Scott's voice today about where Koziah is in his development. Devon Ely's uh, has really stepped up since P.J. Mestifer went down. But this is a different challenge against what James Franklin referred to as a massive Michigan offensive front. They go with a jumbo set that has been disastrous when we've seen it for, for Penn State at times here in the season and repeatedly. Um, but Joel Honingford, I think I'm saying that correctly, he was an offensive lineman for Michigan in the past, transitioned to tight end. They'll bring him in and essentially go big and does Penn State have the answer? And and that is a huge question with or without Lucetta. Of course, you're very much hobbled, though, in that case without Lucetta on the field. Very backtracking on your comments here. Big fan of Zariah Fisher here. Always have been. Um, I think he's going to be a good player for Penn State. But I, you're right. The difference between Lucetta and his experience and his strength in there compared to a guy that just moved from linebacker in the offseason is certainly notable there. Uh, moving down, I, I feel good about Fisher, just like I feel good about Ellie's and the stuff that we've seen from Ellie's and Izzard. Um, I don't know that they're like top guys right now, but that experience is going to pay off and that they're going to be okay. But then you look at Saturday and that's not really going to help anybody. Right. The, uh, the the projection two or three years down the road is not really going to help anyone um, because you, you, you saw what Illinois was able to do. Illinois ran, uh, just flat out said, we're tougher than you or stuff it down your throat. And they did that again over the weekend as well uh, to Minnesota. But at the same time, Penn state didn't think I, I, I have a, I have a tough time believing that Penn state thought they were as soft as they showed in that Illinois game. So maybe they've turned around, maybe they've done, they've done something other than that, but Michigan, I think is going to come out with the same mindset where you're trying to hit him, especially when you've got Cade McNamara who has been banged up as well. And I know, Michigan has injuries too. I'm that's not an excuse or anything like that, but you've got Cade McNamara who has been banged up. You're not going to try to make him beat, you know, throw for 300 yards and beat you through the air. So you're just going to turn around, hand it to Haskins, hand, hand it to Corum. Um, if he's going to play and be a regular guy in there and maybe <clears> get Donovan Edwards, who's also banged up. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, a, I think it's gonna be a physical game. Penn state's just, just has to respond. And, and Franklin said, not only do they have a, a true legit power back in Hassan Haskins, uh, who is a load and, and they're going to have to the gang tackle him at every turn. But Blake Corum, who I think is five foot eight, uh, but he's 200 pounds in that range. And he says, you better wrap up this guy too, because he'll, he'll get around. He's, he's the agile one, yeah. but yeah, you got both these guys are going to bring it. There's no reprieve here. There's not like a, a true thunder lightning where you think the lightning guys, someone that you can, you can bring down in the backfield. All you got to do is corral them. There's strength in both here. And as you said, Blake Corum, is he available? There's a couple questions there. Donovan Edwards, uh, the other running back, former five-star recruit. It could just be the Hassan Haskins show. I, I, there seems to be some optimism in, in Ann Arbor that it won't be, but he has certainly proven capable. And when you look at both these running backs, they're both at 10-plus rushing touchdowns. Collectively, Michigan, 26 touchdowns on the ground, 12 through the air. And your starting quarterback, Cade McNamara, and we've talked about, wow, they, they found a quarterback, nine touchdowns in nine games. That's been just fine. Just fine is is good enough. I mean, they're obviously eight and one right now, so you know something's working over there. So, uh, but yeah, they're they're going to try and power it. That's the way G uh, Jim Harbaugh's uh, teams have, have pretty much always played. Um, so yeah, they're they're going to be coming after him. A very important part of this is is uh, Jaquan Brisker. 
Like what, yes. what does he play in terms of being the guy that has, you know, sat back there, he's made some plays in the back end, uh, some knockdowns probably should have more picks, but in run support, he's been all over the place at times this year. You kind of think back to that, uh, that Wisconsin game where he was just kind of everywhere and, and he's got to be that guy. Do you bring him up in the box? Um, do you play your safeties a little bit different this week? Because the threat of going over top is, is not huge. I mean, it's certainly there. It's there with any team that you you're going to play on this schedule. Um, but, but you look at Michigan's big plays against Michigan state and Andrew Anthony turns a, a basically a crossing route into a, what, a 95 yard touchdown or, 90 yard touchdown or something like that. So I don't think it's going up and over top of you. It's about keeping those guys in front of you. So I'm very curious to see how Penn state plays their safeties and how those guys respond, because obviously they're playing really well right now. Yeah. James Franklin this week talking about when, how frequently do you invest the safety in the box or even a cornerback point from that position into the box. And, and in terms of beating you over the top, you mentioned Andrew Anthony, who was a guy Penn state was involved in that recruitment last year. He couldn't visit anymore. The East Lansing kid ends up signing with Michigan, um, and then he goes and has a huge game against Michigan State, which was a remarkable which, story. He, he was he was committed to Michigan State. He would have committed right. to Penn State, and then he would have flipped from Penn State to Michigan. Everybody would have been pissed yeah. at him anyway. So he was, he was just he circle of yeah. life. <laughs> and, and so he he comes to town. We don't know if he will be available either because he suffered injury. So if you take him off the field after that, he's kind of that breakout speed threat guy. A lot of people are excited about him, but if, if he's removed from the equation, uh, you know that that is notable because they found a spark there against Michigan State when they really needed one in the past game. Um, and Cornelius Johnson, a six foot three receiver, uh, Eric All, a six foot four tight end. They're the most consistently targeted guys in this group. They're they're both under 30 catches through nine games, which again shows you how much this offense has leaned on the ground game. I mean, look, can Penn State's defense find a way to force McNamara to become more than a game manager? And can they do that early? They've only given up six sacks has Michigan through nine games. That's the third best in the country. They've been able to really just let their ground game do the heavy lifting for them. McNamara has avoided turnovers. He had two interceptions on the year. One was a great one-handed pick by, by a Spartans defensive back to finish out that Michigan State game. Can you force him? To make to, to to be in situations and, and Michigan in situations where he's throwing on third and longs because that they've been on the schedule and they've been on time and that's been great news for Cade McNamara. To me, that's the key here for Penn State and, and their best opportunity to to really disrupt this matchup early on. Yeah, only only completing sixty two percent of his passes, which is fine, um, but it's not like they're asking him to go out and throw. He's, he's only thrown the ball two hundred eight times this season, um, so it's not exactly like they're they're making him throw it thirty five forty times a game. So um, put that pressure on McNamara, and, and that's going to open up some some opportunities for your defense. Uh, special teams, a couple notes here. You're looking for a rebound game from Jordan Stout. It wasn't his finest effort uh, last week, and, and they survived it. And, and but James Franklin said it was the first time in a while that you didn't feel like you had the defense. And the punting game and that in that field position all working together. Um, he, by the way, uh, Jordan Stout named a Ray Guy Award semifinalist this week, top punter in the country award. Jake Moody for Michigan, very, very good kicker so far this season. He's been perfect on extra points, 21 of 23 on field goals. Uh, both of those misses from beyond 40 yards. So, Sean, in a matchup that Vegas thinks is going to hang in the balance and may be determined by a field goal, just a couple notes there uh, and special teams because we can't disregard it. We can't never disregard special teams here. Uh, obviously, snapping is going to be very important, as it always is. Uh, the kicking game, uh, Moody from Michigan is a really, really good kicker. Uh, Penn State needs to be more consistent with its field goal game, but the, the punting game is certainly every time Michigan plays Penn State, the punting game is very, very important. As you said, that spread, one and a half. Uh, Michigan's favored by one and a half right now. That's curious for an eight and one football team against a six and three non 
non-top 25 team. That's a YouTube exclusive for the finger quotes there. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tight one, and, and special teams always very 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 important. And I did not know that was the spread until we we came on the podcast. I already have my prediction in, and it's right there. I've got. Michigan 26, Penn State 24. I do think Michigan's going to be able to move the ball, control possession, but I see Penn State's defense, you know, again, playing well in the red zone, um, forcing a lot of field goal opportunities. Unfortunately for the Nittany Lions, they're, they're dealing with a kicker who has been extremely consistent in Moody. So I think he converts enough of those chances. Um, and ultimately, the, the lack of an ability for Penn State to achieve, not balance, but, uh, uh, you know, basically a safety net underneath Sean Clifford with your ground game. I think that's going to bite you. The one thing that swings it for me and could change it all is if Sean Clifford is aggressive as a runner and, and you may see him get beat up if that's the case. It could be pretty ugly by the end of this game where he is physically, and I don't know what that could mean for next week, but I think that could change the game and put Penn State in a position to win it. I just don't know if that's capable or possible right now from Clifford and from this offense. And that's why we don't look ahead to next week. You just got to go one and zero. And if he's beat up and goes one and zero against Michigan this week, I think he'll he'll find that as a success. I have Michigan winning twenty one seventeen, close game. One of those typical Big Ten November games. Which, by the way, it's fifty seven degrees right now, and that weather's about to break, and it's going to be mid forties on Saturday. We've had a beautiful week in Happy yeah. Valley, um, and it's just unfortunate that it has to end a day too late. Um, but uh, it's uh, or excuse me, a day whatever um but but i have michigan here i think penn state matches up with with michigan pretty well in spots i think their defense is going to be okay um i you want to you know if you're envisioning a a roadmap to a penn state win it's got to come through the big plays it's got to come through Jahan dotson getting behind somebody i think michigan will be content to to put two safeties back and and make you beat them in front of you um make that running game try and rip off a couple chunks here and there which as we said that the confidence in that is not very high um, so I do have Michigan squeaking by. Um, I, I'm not incredibly confident about that position. It, it could be a situation where Michigan's pass rush maybe forces a fumble or, or does something to to knock Penn State off its off its game. But this this offense flat out hasn't put up the points that it needs to. I mean, we saw they Penn State's defense gave up 10 points in that that game that we just skewer them for against Illinois. Penn State's defense gave up 10 points, and Penn State's offense wasn't able to score more than 10 points. So. Until they're able to to break through that that glass ceiling, there it's it's really tough to forecast a high scoring game, at least on the Penn State side of things. Yeah, I don't see Michigan Wolverines as, as a college football playoff threat if they were to get in there, and I don't think they will get in there. Um, but I also I, I can't lean on a lot from what we saw in Maryland. It ended up being a seventeen point win for Penn State, but it's Maryland, and and you're supposed to handle your business if you're this Penn State team that. You know, I can't say they bounce back and they look like a top 10 team. And I'm ready to say that's what they are. And, and October was an aberration. Still a lot to prove. And they could go a long way here uh, against Michigan. And clearly both of us think they will have opportunities to win this game. But both of us taking the the visiting Wolverines. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. We've been wrong a few times this year on the prediction. So stay tuned. Uh, Sean, it is a big Appreciate recruiting weekend. reminding everybody, but yes. Oh, yeah. Every <laughs> every time we make the predictions, just got to remind everybody, these may be wrong. Um, recruiting, big, big weekend on, on tap. And it's not just the local rising talent, which we had talked about, some 2023 guys from, from the region. You got some commits coming to campus, which is always a great thing. But really seeing a, a list generated here with some impressive non-regional guys who got to get on planes to be in town. 
Yeah, and that's that's the the key part there is this noon kick is not good just in terms of getting the the guys that you expected, you know, the guys that maybe couldn't make it to the Auburn game or couldn't make it to another game, always circled the Michigan game as their as their um, one that they wanted to get to, but now you've got playoffs and those guys these days finish uh, finish their games on Friday night, they have film on Saturday morning, things like that. So this list probably about half of what it could be. Um, and it's, that's unfortunate to see, but it's still a good list. I mean, it, leading the way Rodney Gallagher, who's a guy that Penn state really, really likes in football and basketball, um, a receiver for Penn state, um, but could play on the in the defensive backfield as well. Just a stud athlete all around uh, from Western Pennsylvania. I think this is his third game this year. So you want to keep getting him back and getting him as comfortable as possible. Uh, Steve Wilfong reported on uh, Thursday morning, Jaden Davis, the number one overall prospect in the top two or in the 24 seven sports rankings in the class of 24, 2024. Can't believe I'm saying that class of 2024. Um, that's a, that's a big one to get on campus. He was supposed to be up for the Auburn game, did not make it. Um, so, you know, hopefully that those plans stay the same. The, the plan right now is to be at Penn state this weekend. Uh, Josh Miller coming back. He's a quarterback, he, by the way, I know, I know you said number one recruit. He is number one recruit. He is the number one quarterback for those who maybe don't follow the 2024 recruiting cycle too closely yet. It's a big time get on campus at this stage. Cause that's, this kid probably has his pickings of, of games to be at already. I mean, if you're not following 2024 that closely already, what are you even doing? So, yeah, you know, right. uh, but uh, now it's, it's definitely big to get him up. And he came, he came to campus this summer, check things out. So Mike Yersich, obviously a pool there, um, Penn state doing pretty well with its, its quarterback recruiting. And that, that would give you a, a year between Drew Aller uh, and, and Bo Perbula. Um, I don't necessarily see them landing Jaden Davis, but his second visit, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Josh Miller's coming back. He was uh, set to, we thought he was set to announce a couple of weeks ago. He came to the Illinois game. Um, we thought he was down to Penn state and Clemson, um, maybe tap the brakes a little bit, uh, which, you know, I, I definitely get, uh, went to North Carolina that last weekend, coming back to Penn state this weekend. Um, it, Amir Herring, 2023 offensive lineman from Michigan, probably a Wolverines lean, but anytime you can get those guys on campus from Michigan, show the, show them the guys that you're playing, uh, from Michigan, from the Detroit area. It's a good thing. Anthony Specca, 2024, uh, linebacker from Pittsburgh central Catholic's been on campus a few times. The interesting ones to me, and we, we confirmed all these this week on 24 seven sports guys from far away. Dakari Nelson's a safety from Alabama, Mark Fletcher from Florida, Damon Fagan from Florida, um, just going down the list here that I gave Andrew Dorita for our Instagram post that'll go up on this later. By the way, check him out, uh, lines.247 on Instagram. Um, but getting these guys from Florida up for uh, a weekend where they're probably playing in playoffs and they've got, uh, you know, flights planned and things like that, that's, that, that's a big deal that can pay off in the end, especially when it's, you know, it's pretty decent outside right now. So these kids idea of Penn State and Pennsylvania in November is they think they're probably going to see snow. So if you can get them up here while it's fairly nice out, you can make a long lasting impact. And it's Penn State versus Michigan. That's a big game if you just love football. I mean, that, that's a big time matchup. And it's whether you view this as number nine versus number 23 or number six versus on ranked, it's a big matchup. And, and so to get guys in the seats for this one in Beaver Stadium, uh, certainly, a, a, you know, pretty strong for, for a noon game. I'm surprised at some of the names that are surfacing here and where and they're it's the coming from. It's the legendary helmet stripe game. I mean, how could you miss the that? legendary? Yes. Um, you can follow all of the post game recruiting coverage, and I'm sure there'll be a bunch of it coming out of this matchup. And the in the days ahead uh, over on lines247.com, 30% off an annual VIP subscription, $1 for one month, a couple options if you're looking to get in uh, behind that paywall. 
there you go. We're back on Saturday with a post-game podcast, breaking down the action between Michigan and Penn State. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your podcast. Watch us on YouTube channel at Lions 24-7. For producer Lance Glenn, Sean Fitz, we'll talk to you on Saturday. Penn State, Michigan, noon kickoff. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.